We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Stevie Wonder with the question: Who's who's going by? Wait, who's going to be this year's Drew Tranquil after a tough loss? Player who rises to the occasion or doesn't live up to expectation to be determined. So, who's going to bring the juice? I guess or yeah, I mean we're we don't know the answer to that yet, right? I mean that's the thing is like, and and honestly, if you remember about that season, Ryan. They came out a little sluggish in the first half of the BC game that year. It was like 14 to 13 at halftime, something like that. And then they poured it on in the second half. Like, and you could start to start to see it kind of starting to happen late in the first half. They were starting to kind of get a little bit more gash runs. But the second half was when they really poured it on. So they were still a little bit, you know, kind of recovering from and recovering from that loss a little bit, even after in the first half of the next game. But yeah, I I mean, you needed to be your captains, right? I mean, and, and who was the guy that went out that next game? I mean, Drew was the leader, but Tavon Coney went out the next game and had 13 tackles. I mean, yeah. it just eight BC up, you know? I mean, it, it, you, it's leadership. Part of it's leadership. Part of it's playmaking. You know, who goes out there and has a big game? There's all things, all types of things that factor into that. Now, I know Sean Crawford, I think, didn't he have like two picks that game? I believe like two second half picks that helped put the, put that game away. I know he had one for sure uh, in that game. Yeah. Two picks in that game. So it, it, it I think, I think this team's going to respond, Ryan, but I don't know yeah. because yeah. we haven't seen it yet. And every team is it, different. Jerry Tillery is another guy that had a, a big game against BC that next week. So, you know, a lot of different guys stepped up. And then of course the offensive line got pissed off and churned their way to 500 yards in that game, which is just still, I mean, and you think about it, Ryan, that team had Harold Landry and Zach Allen on their defensive line. Yep. Two pretty decent NFL players right now. You know what I mean? Like Harold Landry is really good when he's healthy. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and Notre Dame had two guys go for over 200 yards rushing that game. Two guys went for over 200 yards rushing that game. It's nuts. Absolutely not. So it was the most physically dominant performance I've ever seen a Notre Dame defensive line do or offensive line do against a good opponent. Like it was nuts. 
I mean, if you if it you had to nuts. ask me who is that guy that's like that, you know, leader that just kind of leads by example and just brings the juice, I would probably say Aldrich Estime is that guy for me. Like, I think yeah. he kind of outwardly brings that juice the most, in my opinion. Like, because the a couple of the other captains are like Joe Walt's more of a lead by example, but doesn't really say much, you know. And, and like a, a Cam Hart's kind of the same way. Like, I think yeah. that Aldrich has kind of that well roundedness of being outwardly a guy that a lot of eyes are on because of the position he plays and the, the physical profile he brings as well. Like, I think that that's a guy that you want to follow in my opinion. So that would, there's a, there's a couple other guys. I think Zeke Carell's another one that I would expect to be a little bit more vocal in a, in a, in a situation like this. I think Cam Hart is a guy that I've been told is a little bit more talkative than he has been in the past. And you want a guy like Howard Cross to just come out or Riley Mills to just come out and dominate. I mean, that that's the thing is, and you need your, and also too, Ryan, leadership isn't just a guy. It's got to be a guy in every room. Who's that guy in every room? You know, because you're going to spend a lot of time around just the other running backs, just the other O-linemen, just the other D-linemen. Who are those guys that say, hey, there's going to be some accountability here? You know, and, and the great teams are going to have someone on the D-line that steps up and says, I don't care what the coaches did wrong. we got to make sure that we've got everybody out there. We've got to – not like not Jordan, you should have been out there. It's we have to do better. I didn't recognize that you weren't out there. That's on me. You know, you know like it, there's got to be a level of accountability, and if this team is the team I think it is, then I think they're going to respond to this very well. And that's where a lot of our confidence comes from making the picks that we made, Ryan, is that we do think this team is going to respond well. I just don't know who that's going to be just yet. Uh, but, you know, and, and I would like to see J.D. Bertrand bounce back with a better game. I didn't think he played very well against against Ohio State. And, and, you, and you expect him to be better. And if he's a captain and the guy we think he is, I think he'll bounce back with a pretty good game as well. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. A big super chat here from SB. Thank you very, very much. And SB says, the locker room speeches of Deion Sanders and 
uh, Dan Lanning and thinking back to Lou Holtz, does Marcus Freeman get the players riled up like that? Pre-game speeches might be overrated, but there does seem to be something to them. I don't know that. I mean, I, sometimes I think we see one thing happen and then the, and then we see something happen on the field and we assume that what happened on the field was because of what happened in the pregame speech, right? I mean, I just I don't I don't don't put a whole lot in that. Like there are times when a coach can say something that really sets that team over the second level. You talk to anybody on the Notre Dame 1988 team and they'll tell you that when Lou Holtz came out with the whole save Jimmy Johnson's ass for me thing, that it was just like done. We're going to go. But that doesn't that didn't negate a week of bad work. You know what I mean? Like they didn't have a crap week of practice. And because he said that, they went out and beat Miami. You know what I mean? Like the work had been put in. Now it's about kind of, you know, what you know, like Ryan. I don't know if you had these when we were kids, but you're a lot younger than I am. But when I was a kid, we had these these uh, like little race cars, and you put this uh plastic thing in them, and then when you'd pull the plastic thing out real quick, they'd go speeding off. Oh, yeah. And my my dumb butt pointed one towards the ocean one time and I never saw it again. But you know, um like that's kind of what a pregame speech is. But players will also tell you, man, once the first time you get hit in the mouth, you're not thinking about the pregame speech, you're thinking about the preparation that you put in during that week. That's really what it comes down to, in my opinion. Right. Uh, but um, to answer the question specifically, yes, Marcus Freeman has been known to be very good when it comes to pre and halftime pregame and halftime speeches. So I think that I don't think that's okay. a an issue that I've heard about. I've heard it's been he's pretty good at that kind of stuff. Certainly, yeah. Well, and there's a lot of there's a lot of people that are good at it, but then their teams don't follow suit because it's, right you know, at the end of the day, it is about the program and the team that you have. It's right, it's about, about the preparation, the, man. Are you prepared to go do your job a certain way for sixty minutes? That's really what it boils down to, because it, that it 100% that energy does thing set fades. The table though, yeah, right. Well, it does set it the does. table though, and it does get the adrenaline running. There's no doubt about that, right? Right. It's an emotional reaction, but those emotional reactions are gone if you haven't put in the work. And that's the point you're making about there's a lot of guys that give great pregame speeches, but their teams consistently suck. Why? And we only, we, only, we, only, we only hear the we only hear as a fan base and uh, from a national perspective, we only hear the pregame speeches that work. You know, you never hear about the pregame speeches that did not work. Right. <laughs> like, I got I mean, a great, a great, a great pregame speech. And then we went out through a pick six on the first play. And you know what I mean? Like. Yeah, it's just not quite how it works. I mean, you know, for all we know, Steve Adazio gave the best pregame speeches ever had right before Notre Dame ran for 500 yards against him, right? I mean, probably don't know. And if it was Steve Adazio, you know, there's a lot of F words in it. You know that to be the case. He's Italian, so it makes sense. (laughs) Preston Wade with a super chat. I'm telling Angela you said that. I'm so telling Angela. I mean, my mom's full Italian too, so you know, whatever. (laughs) Preston Wade with a super chat. Are there any other defensive linemen that Notre Dame might be able to pick up in 2024? Well, we talked about it a little bit earlier. Nandi Agboko, who is a defensive lineman out of the state of North Carolina, listed six foot five, 335 pounds. His younger brother, Akini Agboko, is actually a really good offensive tackle recruit in 2026 as well that has not been offered by Notre Dame as he's of yet. He does not look like a 26 kid, Ryan. Did you no. see the <laughs> – yeah, yeah, he's long, man. He's he, kid, And he looks yeah. like a grown-up. Yes. yes. He actually looks older than Namdi, yes. in my opinion. Yeah, like in he's, the he's pace. taller the, as well. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. He's got a much more mature-looking face. Yeah. Yeah. But Nandi, Nandi is currently committed to the University of Georgia. Notre Dame is working hard behind the scenes and has been working hard behind the scenes over the last few weeks. First and foremost, to get him to take the visit to Ohio State because it was an unofficial visit. So we're working to get him there. And then from here on out, that is a guy that they 
are making a you know a big strong push for to hopefully flip him from the University of Georgia. Yep. Would be a big one, literally and figuratively. Yeah, I can't remember the last time Notre Dame signed a defensive lineman that big coming out of high school. Maybe like I don't even know. Well, Lewis Nix showed gotten. up bigger than that. Like Lewis Nix weighed almost four hundred pounds, but he wasn't that big when he committed to Notre Dame. Like he put on a yeah. lot of bad weight before his freshman year, and then lost it all. The uh, funniest Lewis Nix story Ryan I ever had was, or not funniest, but just wildest. His freshman year, he was so overweight; it was bad. And so he was on the scout team and we're at practice. And this is back when they let us go to practice a lot and we're at practice and he's going against Braxton cave and he's just not giving much effort and he doesn't want to be out. It's so obvious he doesn't be out there and he kind of walks off the field and Brian Kelly just rips him, just goes off and forces him back on the field. And apparently that really pissed Lewis Nix off. Because on the next play, Lewis Nix comes off and lifts Braxton Cave off the ground, <laughs> drives him into the backfield, and plants him on the quarterback. I was like, oh, God, this kid's got a chance to be special if they can figure out how to harness that on a more consistent basis. And they did. He ended up being a heck of a player for Notre Dame. But that was one of those plays where, like, wow, they got to figure out how to push the right buttons on that kid. Because when, because whatever Brian, if, he, if Brian Kelly can get, can repeat that, this guy said, I felt bad for Braxton Cave. You're like, man, why did you? Why'd you drag me into this? You know what I mean? Like, what did I do for this? But it was wild, man. But yeah, he he was he was bigger than that, but it was bad weight. Namdi does not look yeah. like you saw the picture Angela took. He does not look like a 340-pound kid. Like he, you know, where you think like, you know, the big, big fat and all he's a just a yeah. massive kid. He's, well, he's just he's big. got a big he's got a big lower body. He's tall and he's got he's got wide hips and shoulders. Like he's oh, just yeah. a massive. He's Giant like Jordan hands. Davis, man. Like yeah. Jordan, Jordan Davis wasn't fat, really. Jordan Davis he wasn't was Terrence Cody. Massive. Like, right. was like Terrence huge. Cody was. <laughs> Terrence yeah. Cody had a lot of bad weight. It's just I'm, I'm yes. trying. I'm trying to say it nicely. Like you said, Jordan Davis was just big. You know, just he's just huge, yeah. Quentin Nelson's another one. When Quentin Nelson's 340 pounds, he's not fat. He's just huge. He's, big. he's just yeah, he's a broad shoulders, big. I mean, he's just big everywhere. Yeah. And um, yeah. yeah, it's a little bit of a different. Different, different type of deal. On to the question. Yes. NDSMA Trucking LLC says, after seeing the offense so far this season, as productive as they have been, who would be your ideal three wide receiver pairing and where would they line up? I, the the problem, the, my, my one complaint with this team, Ryan, is, is because Deion Colsey hasn't really stepped up and now that he's hurt, they don't really have a true boundary on their roster right now that's ready to play. That's the problem. Because right now I'd probably put Tobias Merriweather in the boundary, but I don't think that's the ideal position for him. He's still not strong enough to really be a, a snap after snap boundary guy. I think with his speed and his his length, I, I think that part is good for there. But you need a little bit of physicality to play the boundary in the in the way that Notre Dame plays it. So I, I don't know that there's a an ideal boundary. I mean, I honestly the guy that right now might be the best boundary option is Jaden Greathouse. You yeah, know, and then you say, well. You know, Jaden Thomas is ideally suited for the slot, in my opinion. But I think Chris Tyree needs to play more. So, you know, where do you play? It? So the, the, there is no ideal three-man rotation. The best way for them to maximize their receiving core is to is to move all of the parts around. And, and I think Jaden Greathouse is – and this is where it's going to be interesting to see what they do tomorrow, Ryan, is who do they put in the boundary? With it, with Jaden Thomas likely not playing, is it Tobias? Is it Jaden Greathouse? Is it Rico? 
I, I think if you put Rico there full time, you're doing a disservice to him. Uh, he's not a boundary guy. To me. He can play boundary as like give you 10 snaps there, but he can't be your boundary guy. That's not the best place for him either. So I, I wouldn't mind seeing maybe Tobias start there and then work, you know, Jaden and Rico over there as well. And look, right now you've got to find ways to get Jaden Greathouse and Chris Tyree on the field together. You know, like, yeah. you know, look, Chris Tyree plays averages 15 snaps a game and he leads your team in receiving yards. I mean, you've got to find ways to get him on the field. But then at the the only, right now, the only way they can do it, Ryan, is the expense of Jaden Greathouse, who's probably been your most reliable and consistent receiver so far this season. I'd say so. Yeah. Well, I, I think I think that for me, it's that like you need to, as an offensive coordinator, figure out how to make the boundary position and the field position a little bit more interchangeable, right? Like it's this can't be like a complete boundary is this field is this. It's like right now, you to your point, they don't have the exact guy that they need in the boundary to be right. your ninety eighty percent ninety percent boundary guy. They just don't have that type of dude. But if you're able to mix and match some things and maybe run a few different types of route variations where it's like, it's a little bit more interchangeable. Like it's not just a extensive boundary route tree, like the out, the boundary with the, they're back to calling it the Z now, right? They're, they call it the Z now. The, yeah, the Z um, is the field, field X is the boundary yeah. and then F is yeah. the slot. Yeah. You need to find a way to make the X and the Z a little bit more interchangeable with the route trees and their concepts that they're running out of it. I think if you can, then, it's almost like becoming almost like left, right comparative to boundary field at that point, if you're able to make that a little bit more interchangeable, because I do expect Notre Dame to run a little bit more. Well, not a little bit more. I expect them to keep running a bunch of 12 personnel. Like I expected that to happen as well. So I think that you're just going to kind of blur the line between the two outside positions. I think that's what you have to do right now. Cause right. I, I don't think that Jaden Greathouse is an ideal boundary all the time. I don't think Rico right. Flores is an ideal boundary all the time. I don't think Tobias Merriweather is a boundary all the time, but together you can get enough out of that right. position to make it successful and make including it with maybe some holding stace snaps there, you know, in, in some yeah. different situations as well. The problem Ryan is, you know, yes, they're going to have to use a lot more 12 personnel in this game. The issue, however, is that 12 personnel has not been very good for them the last couple games. Uh, it was obviously their their best their best um, run look early, but against Ohio State, uh, when you if you, and this is I'll give a little sneak peek. This is some of the intel that you guys can get on the message board. It's a message board only intel. But in 12 personnel against Ohio State, Notre Dame ran the ball 11 times for 30 yards. And they only had four, only four of those runs were efficient. Now they had a one yard touchdown run. So 10 for 29 in in non one yard situations, but they were not very good there. They averaged 5.6 yards per carry and had a 63.6 efficiency rate on out of 11 personnel. And they had 55 yards on nine carries and a 77.8 efficiency rate on 21 personnel. And then in 13 personnel, they had two carries for four yards. And then in that 13 personnel where they put Tosh Baker in the game, they had two carries for, for two yards. And and so it was. Um, uh, they did have a 22 yard run out of 32 personnel, which was which was interesting. That was that uh, that little lead play that Notre Dame had uh, uh, on when they were backed up out of their own. I think like four, and they had they ran that little quick like full house backfield look where Audric Estime ran. That was out of 32 personnel. And then you look at uh, the Central Michigan game, and it was a similar story. In Notre Dame, let me pull up the personnel breakdown. Notre Dame in 12 personnel against NC, against Central Michigan ran the ball 13 times and only rushed 47 yards. 
and had a 46.2 efficiency rate. So for the last two games, Notre Dame has been below 50% efficiency out of 12 personnel, uh, and they've averaged less than three yards a carry in 12 personnel. Excuse me, less than four yards a carry. They were under three against Ohio State. 11 personnel against Central Michigan. They went 14 carries for 130 yards uh, in that game. Now, the good thing is against Central Michigan, they did rush for 54 yards on six, carry, six carries out of 13 personnel, so at least they were to get, able to get that going. But 12 personnel has not been a great uh, alignment for Notre Dame really in the last few games. Now, they they and even against NC State, they had the 80-yard touchdown run, which matters. I mean, that counts. But the other 12 carries of that game, they only went for 43 yards out of 12 personnel. So they are, they are not having a lot of success don't run in the football right now to 12 personnel. I think part of it is, um, you know, to me, they're just – they're way too run heavy out of 12 personnel. So teams are kind of playing the run very, very heavily when Notre Dame goes 12 personnel. So that's a bit of a concern for me coming into this game against Duke is that you're going to have to do more 12 personnel, but you just haven't been very good running the ball out of 12 personnel the last three weeks. And so they're going to have to find some answers. And I think a part of that answer is going to have to be, and this kind of ties back to your, to your question, NDSMA trucking is they're going to have to find some pass game answers out of 12 personnel, because if they don't find some pass game answers out of 12 personnel, then the struggles they've had running the ball out of 12 personnel, the last three games are going to continue. And part of the reason that they've had success running the ball out of 11 personnel, the last two games. And again, here's the total numbers. Last two games, Notre Dame has ran 25, had 25 carries out of 11 personnel for 192 yards. And they're averaging, they were at 9.3 against Central Michigan, 5.6 against Ohio State. So uh, you're you're in a tough spot because you're so run heavy out of 12 that teams are just playing the run and they're shutting down the run. So uh, that would be a thing for me to this question is they're going to have to find some pass game answers out of 12 personnel. That's going to be a big key because, the you know, look, they – they can get through a game with four receivers, no, no problem. But it's going to be tougher to get through two games and three games, right? So if if there's anything where any of these injuries are long term and 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 hamstring injuries that cause a guy to miss a big game don't just actually heal by Monday, you know what I mean? So looking at like Jaden Thomas, Ryan. So like just because you know, hey, he missed this game, he didn't practice all week. He's not going to just miraculously just be a hundred percent come Monday. And a kid like Jaden Thomas can't afford to be at 80% of his athleticism and be effective right. against Louisville or UFC or anybody. So they're going to really have to find some answers. And I think part of that's going to be adjusting, to your point, Ryan, how they use their different receivers, you know, how they use their boundary field, who's on the field together, and saying, hey, look, if our most dynamic receivers, Chris Tyree, and our probably our best all-around receivers, Jaden Greathouse, we can't force ourselves to be in a situation where it's impossible to get those two kids on the field together because they play the exact same position. You got to find something else out. Right. There's not a lot you can do with Chris Tyree other than the slot. There are some other things you can do with Jaden Greathouse. And I think you need to start using some of those things. And I think this weekend would be a phenomenal time to do that. In my opinion. I, I, I did see Marcus Freeman in his press conference did mention something about that. They could use Chris outside, which I thought was a little bit of a, yeah. Yeah. No. And do what? I mean, you're basically telling him he's going to do something in-breaking. Because you're not just going to run straight go routes with Chris Tyree, I don't think. Not against, Especially against these corners, who are 6'1 and 6'4. Yeah, you know, it just yeah. doesn't make a lot of sense. I, yeah. 
Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm going to hold back some of my opinions on this because I just want to see what they do. Because I don't care what the – I really – I'm very curious what they do at receiver this weekend and how they use these guys and what their pass game looks like. Because if they don't make some – some twi- some um, they don't tinker with things a little bit, Ryan, I'm going to get a little bit concerned. I'm, I'm just going to be honest with you. Scott L says, as of today, there are a number of Notre Dame players with their red shirts still able to be preserved this season. Which players should Notre Dame be willing to burn red shirts who won't be five-year players anyway? I, I don't know what your thoughts are, Ryan. I'm, uh, here's where I'm at. I have zero interest in redshirting Braylon James. Zero. I just If Braylon James is the player we think he's going to be, then he's not a five-year guy. I don't care what he does as a true freshman. Don't care. Because yeah. by the time he's a senior, he's going to be an NFL player. Or – He's not going to be an NFL player, and you're not necessarily going to want to bring him back for fifth year anyway, the way you're recruiting receiver right now. You want to bring him back to be your eighth receiver as a fifth-year guy? No, you're not. Um, Drake Bowen is not a five-year guy to me. Jaden Osbury, not five-year guys to me. I just I don't view them as five-year players. And so they're definitely Osbury's guys that I would trigger his, more. Hasn't he? Who? Hasn't he been in? Hasn't Osbury already Who? burned his? Osbury. I think he missed I, – I think there was one game he didn't play in, I think. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Uh, but um, I could check on that, Ryan, because I think there's one game he didn't play special teams. Gotcha. Gotcha. But but again, that would back it up right there. He's not a guy that I'm worried about redshirting. Adon Schuler needs to be activated. I think he's only played two or three games so far. The way the safety position is going and the fact that at least one or two of these guys is going to be gone next year, you have to get Adon ready to compete. And honestly, in the limited snaps he's played, I thought he's looked good. You know, so he's a guy that I would, you know, Micah Bell's the interesting one. Part of me says athletically, he's not a five-year guy, but because he's on the smaller side and he's so, so raw fundamentally, you wonder maybe he might need a little bit more time. I would Uh, reassure him. Yeah. Yeah. Because he's a bit of a unique, uh, unique situation, but there's just not a lot of the freshman class of the skill positions that I'm redshirting. I'm I'm just not. Uh, All the offensive linemen, I'd keep their redshirt on. Defensive lineman. Yeah. Uh, unless one of them is just ready to be in the rotation like now, you know. Um, but, you know, right there, I'm, I'm keeping all those on. Preston Zinner's the one linebacker that I would definitely keep a red shirt on. I'd like to create some separation between him and and Drake and Jaden. And uh, and then Ben Minnick because of all He's the injury. Yeah, I, I would want to get a year. He's a five-year guy to me. He, he could be a Kyle McCarthy type of five-year player to me for sure. Yeah. Um, you know, Christian Grace is already done, and um, Cooper Flanagan is his done, or is he? I don't he think. All so. I think he's played. He's playing all five. I, let me check, Ryan. Let me, so let me check her real quick. Let me let me look at the it's pro close. football. It's close. I've focus. seen him in a few games, but he's played three so far, according to Pro Football Focus. Games. He played against. He didn't play this weekend, apparently, but he played yeah. against Tennessee State, NC State, and Central Michigan. So, uh, well, and then I'm gonna, I'm checking on Osborne now. If you're playing him against NC State, then I feel like you probably aren't concerned about not preserving his red shirt. Talk about Cooper Flanagan. So yeah, yeah, I'm sure he gets into at least five. I'm checking uh, Jaden Osbury now because he's they only have him listed as playing two games. He's played four games so far. Okay. So he played against Navy, Tennessee State, Central Michigan, and Ohio State. It looks like he did not play special teams against NC State, and he did not play defense against NC State. So, but I would imagine that, I mean, they're in game five and he's already played two games. I mean, he's already played four games. I highly doubt that they plan on saving that red shirt. 
Unless he just shut him down for whatever reason. Like, yeah. Which would make no sense. I mean, that would make no sense. I mean, he's, he played 15 special team snaps against central Michigan, 10 against Tennessee state. He played four on kick return against Ohio state. He was literally in there for every kick return against Ohio state. So I just, I'd see no reason to redshirt him in my opinion. So now the only, the only thing is, is like, I, I have to go back and look at that actually. Cause I wonder if, you know, cause sometimes pro football focus sucks at like, you know, with the double numbers. Yeah. yeah. So I'm actually going to look at the, um, the all 22 real quick here and see if they have that. Do you know if they have kick return on that Ryan on the special I, teams? I, think, I believe they do. I, believe they do. I know they have kick off, but I'm going to see, because I'm curious if it might've been like Justin Fisher and, uh, yeah, it's just it looks like it's just kickoff. Looks like not kick return. So well, if you go same. if you go into the other team that they were playing, then they should have. Oh yeah, yeah. Good call. Good call. Yeah. So let's go to Ohio State, Big Ten, Ohio State Buckeyes, and let's go to special teams. And let's see if old Jaden Osbury was on there. If it was Justin Fisher. So it looks like it was Jaden Osbury. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So he's on yep, the Yep, looks like it was Jaden Osbury. So yeah, I, I'd be shocked if they registered him. Nor should they. Again, there are certain guys you just gotta he's not a five year player, so why waste a year? You know? Sure. And it's not always an easy decision either. Like there can be some disagreement on on that, but that's what I would do. We had Irish Blood who said better three three five defensive principal Al Golden or Tony Gibson at North Carolina State. Well, since Al Golden doesn't run a three three five, I'm going to go. Oh, Tony he doesn't Gibson run a three three five. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I'm going to go Tony Gibson on that one. Yeah. Yes, also agree. Scott Ellis says if you're forced to pick one alternate alternative to bet your entire fortune, do you believe the offensive coaches will show growth and how they use their weapons tomorrow? Meaning Tyree Hartman and Estime. Yes or no? I would never bet my entire fortune on something I've never seen before. Yeah. So I would bet, I would not bet my fortune on that. Now, if you said I had to bet on one of them, you know, like I had no alternative, I, I would, I would bet my uh, fortune that they do simply because of they're going to kind of have to. Yeah. I mean, and I, I also think that offensive coaching staff, we're talking about the offensive play caller. Like we do have to remember that Jared Parker is still very new to this, right? There's still evolution that needs to happen. I mean, and I think that evolution can happen. If you ask me vice versa, Scott, of like evolution defensively, I would say probably not because Al Golden is just an older coach yes. and that's just kind of what he believes in, you know, and but we're a year Jared and he's the same guy now that he was last year, basically, you know, yeah. philosophically. Yeah. But Jared Parker has called five football games in his coaching career, pretty much. I mean, and again, he's I don't done a lot of good things, Ryan. He's done a lot of good things, you know. And and there's some things, there's some issues I have with the receiver rotation and a couple of things. But I'll say this: there's a lot more that I've liked about what Jared Parker's done this year than I don't like. I and we're always, guys. This is what we do. I'm mean, literally in the name of our show is Irish Breakdown. We're former coaches and players. We break things down. You know, we're, we're not hype men. I'm not Jared Hart Parker's hype man. I'm not here to tell you everything he does is awesome and everything Marcus Freeman does is, you know, he's got the gold Midas touch, right? I mean, it, there are things we're going to critique and pick apart. It just seems some people, when we offer those critiques, they just grab onto that and that's all they hear is that. 
you know, sure. uh, Jordan Parker has done a really nice job so far. He just has to do a better job because the standard is a national title. And, and there are some things that we haven't seen yet that we need to see some things that we thought could be problems before the Ohio state game that were problems in the Ohio state game. But I got to tell you, man, I have not seen a, a run game this diverse and, and, and adapting week to week than I have with this. I mean, chip long was pretty good at that kind of thing, but this is even better than what chip did as far as just what they were doing in week two is not does. It's the same philosophy, power, you know, counter inside zone and power and counter, are basically the same philosophy. You just get to them a little with different backfield actions and things like that. It, but the zone and stuff, I mean, it, they, they believe this is what they believe in. Cause Ryan, this is what we begged for last year. I got no problem with you running duo a million times, but do we need to run it like the same way all the time? Right? Like, can you give me some creativity, some counters off of it? You know, this team is a, a, a inside zone power oriented team. But we're seeing buck sweep. We're seeing toss. We saw a quick pitch last week. We're we're seeing things designed to you can't just key on our a gap runs because we're going to have some stuff that can hurt you. And I love it. I love that stuff. The pass game just need is still to me just needs to be a little bit more. I need to see a little bit more out of that as far as schematically. And uh, but there's things. There's a, I'll hold off on this because I believe there's a question about it, about what we saw in camp and stuff compared to what we're seeing now. So I'll hold off on that one for now. Okay. I'm going to ask this one, Ryan, because I want to get your opinion on this. So Brian, Brent Smith says, Brian and Ryan, um, have either of you followed Peyton Bowen at Oklahoma or Keon Keel at Alabama? If so, how are they playing? So I actually know someone that has good insight into the Oklahoma program. I've heard that Peyton Bone has actually played really well in the snaps that he's gotten. He's playing a lot of nickel for them right now because it's kind of like the need on the team. So there was there was anticipation by the end of by midway through the year to the end of the year, he's going to be the starting nickel on their defense, and then he's going to kind of transition to full time safety next year when there's a couple defections on the roster. But Oklahoma's very high on Peyton Bowen, as I think most people can understand he's a very right. talented player so future is very bright at oklahoma for peyton bowen keon i believe hasn't played a ton so far but again like no. that's one of those situations where you have dallas turner that came back and you have chris braswell who's a really good player at the other edge spot as well like it's just a couple of really good players in front of him man it doesn't mean that you have to like sound the alarms like keon Kelly's overrated or whatever so that's kind of what i've been saying though so according to pro football focus in four games peyton bowen has played 141 snaps Yep. He has uh, allowed four completions on eight attempts, which is 50%, which for a safety is pretty good. But those four completions went for 30 yards. That's it. And he's got five pass breakups, according to Pro Football Focus. That's pretty good for pretty a freshman good. in four games. Yeah. So, yeah, he's played well. He's, he's, go- he's going to be a star at Oklahoma. He's yeah. going to be a star. Yeah. Uh, talent as a football player was never the question. Five-star talents. Yep. Peyton Bowen. Yeah, that was never the question. Keon Ryan, I don't, I don't know that he's played hardly at all. Let me, uh, let me pull that yeah, up. Real I don't, quick. I don't think he's played it. If, if yeah. he's even played, I'm not sure. Um, he has the Pro Football Focus does not have him down as playing a snap so far this season. So mm-hmm. that's that's the choice he made. I'd love to see him make a decision and say, you know what, I should have gone to Notre Dame after all. I would, I would take him. <laughs> I'd take him back in a heartbeat. There's no doubt. Yeah, I watched Oklahoma play one game this year, and, and Peyton Bowen had two pass breakups in that game that I saw. Yeah, so yeah, he's gonna be pretty good. player, man. Great yep. player. Yep. 
Brandon Plesner says, what's one important adjustment you'd like to see made and one thing you'd like to see improved on both sides of the ball this weekend? On both so offensively, Ryan, we kind of already talked about this, right? Like I they need to adapt how they're using their receivers uh from an alignment standpoint, and they've they've got to speed up the process of the pass game. They need the receivers to play with greater urgency. I have no problem mm-hmm. with mesh routes. I, I love mesh concepts, but the, the the Notre Dame receivers play with a level of urgency on the mesh stuff that you just is not going to make it super effective. It's just a very deliberate type of body language and, and stuff. And I just, I'm not a fan of that. I think with the way that Notre Dame is running their, their pass game, they need to play with greater urgency. It's partly why Sam Hartman doesn't stick with reads as long because they're just not getting into the routes as quickly as they need to. And it's not because they're slow. It's the, there's a difference between, okay, I'm running full speed and I'm slow and I'm slow because I'm not running at full speed. There's a difference. And to me, that's that's something that even before we get into the philosophical changes, that's something that has to change. And there are certain routes that you're not going to come. If you're running like a stutter under delay, you're not going to come off the line selling it like a go route. But a lot of their routes are, and they need to do a better job of that. That would be my big thing offensively um, because 11 personnel has been a great run formation for you the last two weeks. So now you've got to also make sure that you continue to make it a, a really dynamic pass part, a part of your pass game as well. Um, that would be my one on offense, Ryan. What would be your, what would be one for you that you'd want to see on offense this week? I, I would love to see, cause I'm actually okay with Notre Dame coming out and running the football early to kind of establish their, their aggressiveness or whatever you want to call it. But I really think that Notre Dame needs to find a way to, create explosive plays vertically, right? Like we've seen some after catch stuff. That's been awesome. Like you mentioned it the other day of like Holden Stace's after catch, Chris Tyree's after catch, Tobias Merriweather's after catch, but like vertically oriented, they need to find some way. And it's not, I'm not saying like it has to just be like an outside go route, but like whether it's a post snap switch or a, or a, 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 a post wheel or something, there needs to be something where you just kind of get someone working vertically that creates a big play. You need to show yeah. that you can work all levels of the field, not just short to intermediate. You also need to be able to stretch the deep portion of the field. And I think that they need to show that they're capable of doing that or else you're just kind of limiting offense, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, defensively, Ryan, for me, it, we've I've talked about this a lot. I just want to see the defensive line be triggered a little bit more. I have no problem. Al Golden has not run a single bl- – well, other than the delay safety blitzes because you just don't have the players for that. None of the blitzes he's run this year, I have a problem with it. My my problem is the volume at which they use it. I think it just – I just have always felt as an offensive coach, when I know you're going to blitz all the time, it's a lot easier for me to have answers for it. It just is. Teams that that were were real heavy blitz teams when I coached, we always ripped them up because I, I, I'd have answers. It's when I didn't know when and from where you're going to blitz, that was a problem. That That's when we were like, you know, because you start – thinking, okay, I think they're going to come this time, so let's run this. And then they don't, and you get stopped, right? Yeah. So that would be a thing for me is you just, you've got to trust your D-line more. The issue for me, Ryan, on defense with the D-line and on offense at receiver is the coaches are just not showing enough trust in the players right now. you got to give them a chance to earn it or not. And the few times that they've thrown the ball to Chris Tyree and Tobias Merriweather this season, I mean, Tobias dropped his first catch. After that, it's been pretty good you know the only other catch people complain about hit the defensive back in the back you know it was a qb issue chris tyrese caught he's been thrown at nine times he's caught all nine of them for 241 yards you know what i mean like 
You've got to say, hey, let me give these guys a chance a little bit more to make some plays. Then they're not showing that same level of trust. And with the D-line, they're not showing a lot of trust in the D-line to take a game over. Everything is about, I've got to scheme it up. I've got to scheme it up. I've got to make sure that I'm doing this. And to, and, and the thing that I loved about what, what Jim Knowles has done this year at Ohio State is he's showing a lot more faith in his players than he ever did at Oklahoma State or Duke. Where because he had to scheme up success at those places, he didn't have Tyleek Williams and you know Michael Hall and Hero. Can- I mean, Hero Canoe's a starter at Oklahoma State for him. Now he's just like fourth defensive tackle. You know, he didn't have Denzel Burks and guys like that. So you know he's saying, "Hey, look, I don't have to trigger these guys every time." And then when they do, it makes those pressures even more effective. And and Al Golden has not shown that same level of faith and trust in his players, in my opinion. And if he does. I think that's going to allow this defense to be even better and, and even more disruptive. And um, that would be my one change defensively, Ryan. What would what would it be for you? Well, I mean, more it's more of what I would like to see part. I would like to see them fix their tackling issues in space. No missed tackles against this team because this team is not a team that should be beating you in space a ton in gen- general. Do I mean, outside of Riley Leonard, there's just not really a guy – on the perimeter at running back that I say like that guy's should is going to make you miss from time to time. Like it just shouldn't happen often. So I think that mm-hmm. is like the biggest thing for me. And then I just want to create confusion, man. However that happens, like Riley Leonard hasn't thrown interceptions so far this year. Notre Dame's had some success with forcing turnovers, but like it hasn't been a consistent thing under this defensive coordinator under Al Golden during his time. So I, I would like to see some disruption being created and that could be on both sides of it. Right. It's like the, you know, Al Golden can do some more things to scheme up, maybe a little bit of a post-snap roll to a different coverage to confuse the quarterback. Or it could just be simply DJ Brown catch the football, right? Like someone go make a play finally. Right. Like so however that disruption comes, whether it's coach driven or it's player driven, their name needs to be a more disruptive defense consistently, in my opinion. Brandon Plesner back to back says, is there any personnel changes on either side of the ball that you'd like to see made this weekend? Example, short yardage back, third down defense, outside receivers, et cetera. I've already talked about that at receiver. It's part of the, my answer to your previous question. I want to see them mix up who's playing where at receiver a little bit more, because what you're doing now is working against central Michigan and it, you know, but it didn't work very well against NC state. I mean, look, Jaden Thomas leading receiver. He has one catch on seven targets against the two power five teams you've played, the two best defenses you've played. Are you really putting him in the best position to be successful? I don't think that you are because he's just not a boundary number one. I'm that guy. Put me against your best corner and I got this type of player. He's not. I mean, just that's that's not who he is. And that's not a knock. He's good at some other things. And, and so with him out this week, if he is in fact out, Somebody's got to step up and say, Hey coach, I'm that guy, put me there, you know? And then if that happens, Ryan, and that gives you more freedom to move Jaden Thomas around, that's where I think this pass offense could really take off against the better teams. Cause even against NC state, the yards were good, but they were off of chunk plays. You weren't efficient throwing the football against NC state and some of your big plays, you know, you had 65 yards off of a blown coverage on the scramble. He had 40 yards on a blown coverage on a play action, little slide route. You know, those, those plays, you're not doing that against Georgia. You know, you, you couldn't do that against Ohio State. They were too disciplined for it. 
So you're going to need to find some ways where guys just go out there and make some plays. And, and I, I think they haven't quite figured out what the right personnel combination is a receiver. I don't think they've figured that out yet. And they need to figure it out, in my opinion. So well, on third on third down defense, Brandon, for me, and just long passing to obvious passing situations defensively, I just want them to be more, more aggressive across the board. I'm not upset with like schematically what they're trying to do, running some nickel and some dime at times. Like I'm not like everyone does that, right? Getting extra defensive backs on the field. But let's not play eight yards off the football, 10 yards off the football, 12 yards off the football, and just kind of give easy stuff up. Like you have really good corners. So Use them, right? Like get up in guys' grills and don't let them get easy releases and get and make things. You want to you want to know how you help a struggling pass rush at times to be aggressive as a coverage unit where there's no easy windows. Less easy windows means the quarterback has to hold the ball a little bit longer, and then maybe Jordan Patello gets home occasionally, right? Maybe your interior defensive line is able to get an, an additional pressure. I, I just think that it's too passive on obvious passive situations and third and long. So like let's utilize Cam Hart, Benjamin Morrison, the other what cornerbacks on the roster, and let's be aggressive with how we're covering players. Like, it's just, yeah, just do that. Do that, please. We had Domer Grizz. What's up, Domer Grizz? I feel like I haven't talked to you in a while. Happy Friday. Is there any chance that any issues with the offensive line this year have been due to running so many different blocking schemes? I like the run diversity, but could it be too much for them? I mean, I think the offensive line is coming off their best game of the season. I yeah. So... I, I don't – I mean, look, guys, when you're playing a team like Ohio State, they're going to stop you sometimes. They're yeah. going to beat you sometimes. That's going to happen. I mean – You're not going to beat Tyleek Williams every play, right? No, no. They ran for 123 yards in the second half against Ohio State. That's – it's pretty good, right? I mean, and a couple times where they didn't make the play, like the third and two stop right before the fourth and one, that play was made by safety. O-line did their job. They got everybody blocked. You know, uh, you got to read it better, a little bit better, you know? So, I, I think the offensive line is steadily improved. I thought the Central Michigan game was the best game they played so far as far as playing together. And I think the Ohio State game was even better than that when you up when you consider the up in competition, Ryan. So, I think the offensive line's coming into shape. I still would have liked to maybe seen Billy Shrouth play more. I, I would have, you know, maybe he would be coming into form right now too in game five and he's just more talented. But that aside with just who's out there, I think the offensive line's done a pretty good job. And that was a very good defense they played on Saturday. And Notre Dame didn't, didn't struggle in that game, didn't lose that game because the offensive line didn't play well. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, the fourth and one, it's like, you know, you'd like to see them make a push on fourth and one. I'd also would have much rather seen them give the ball to their 230 pound running back. You know, I mean, so that's, it's part coaching part execution. So yeah, they, they were far from perfect on Saturday, but I thought they played pretty well overall, to be honest with you. So yeah, 176 yards and over, you know, your running backs averaged over five yards a carry your running backs did not your rush game, but your running backs averaged over five yards carry. Um, I don't have a lot of negativity to say about that, to be honest with you, Ryan, I'm actually looking at it now and let me just let me just do the math here real quick. So you had uh, had 127 yards between those two. You had 18 for Gibran, 22 for Jadarian, and then nine for Devin Forge. You had 176 yards on 22, 28, 31, 33 carries. So 5.3 yards per carry. 
it's pretty darn good. Yeah. It's pretty darn good. Yeah. I'll take that. If you can do that against every top five team you play, you're going to be you're going to have a chance to win some games if you can do some other things well. So, no, I off of, am I off base here, Ryan? Do you think the offensive line like played poorly? I think they not handled this, the difference. Not this very, game. Yeah. I, I think I think he's talking about maybe just like a couple games here and there where it was a kind of like a slow start or you know. Troy's going to kind of have that. You know, I mean, you're always going to have that. I think the bigger issues like NC State, Ryan, it was numbers. Go back and look yeah. at the NC State game. It was numbers which is why Notre Dame completed 16 passes for like 300-some yards in that game or 280 yards in that game because they put so many numbers in the box, you didn't have enough guys to block everybody. Right. You know, so um, I think one of the things that's helped the offensive line is the diversity in blocking schemes. Because here's the thing. They're not running a bunch of different blocking schemes. They're not. They're running an inside zone scheme. They're running a gap scheme and they're running a pin and pull buck sweep scheme. That's really it. That's it. Now the gap scheme, they get to a lot of different ways. They're running power from front side. They're running power from backside. They're running counter. Uh, they're running the counter heavy, which is essentially counter, but they activate a third puller, right? Don't, that's not a lot for the offensive line. The, it, the, the ver- diversity is the angle in which you attack. So counter's going to hit a little bit wider than a backside power play, even though the blocking scheme is almost identical. It's the formation that's going to add a little bit to it. You know, this past week they were running inside zone, but they were running it with a lead blocker. It doesn't change really the offensive line a whole lot. It allows them to actually be more physical getting a push, and then you're sending the running back up there to take care of that lead linebacker. I thought it was a great – I thought it was great. So I I don't think that's it. I think the issues at times, if you're going to point to issues – that Ryan and I have talked about in past games, it's more technical. Guys not moving their feet, you know, guys stopping, blocking, and getting losing blocks late. I don't I, – I, look, I got no – I think Joe Rudolph's done a really nice job so far with the O-line. Even with a, a you know, left guard that's not the most talented kid in the world. So I, I like what they've done. Well, though. He's playing well, though. Yeah. His last two games have been very good. Very good. Um, but I, I – I just I don't have a lot of complaints on the O line right now. I really don't, and I think this thing is one of the best things about this offense right now. I love the way they're using the run game right now. Absolutely love yep. the way they're using the run game. Scott L, what's Audric estimate ceiling for this year? Now let's break it down to one yards per carry. Oh, we're doing this stuff. Yards per carry average, total rushing yards. Where do you rank him among college football running backs? It's a lot, man. It's a lot. Uh. Well, I don't think Audric Estime is ever going to be a guy that um, leads the nation in yards per carry. Right. But he's going to be he's going to be up there. I mean, he's going to be top 15. Where's he at right now, Ryan? Um, it's around six. Yeah, he's 24th. He's at 7.7 right now. So that's 24th. There's guys that are like in the 10s and 11s. That's going to come down. Let's see, let me see. Um, I'm trying to see if I can find a way to only have power five guys. But uh, they don't allow I, me to do I, that. I, th- I think a really good number just at the end of the year is like, I, what do you, he what do you average last year? Five point nine or something like that, right? Like five point nine, but he was at six six for the final ten games of the year. Sure. So but I, I, mean, I think I think six plus. I, I think with a higher volume though, it's going to come down a little bit. So like five point eight, like a really good number in my opinion for his style for me. I'd I'd be a little disappointed by that to be honest with five, you, eight? just because yeah, I would. Because it's first of all, it's lower than what he did last year. His volume isn't really up that much compared to last year because they are using 
the other backs a lot. I mean, when you look at Audric Estime this year, for example, I mean, the biggest, the two best teams they've played, he carried the ball 14 times in both games, you know? And, and so I don't, I don't think his volume has, has gone up a ton. And if you look at his numbers in the games where he's had the most carries, his yards per carry, I mean, he had a, he had 17 carries against North Carolina, went for 7.9. He had 14 carries against BYU, went for 6.9, had 20 carries against Syracuse. He was at 6.2. 18 against Clemson, he was 5'8", 11 against BC, 6'5", 14 against South Carolina, he was 6'8". Uh, this year, 16 against Navy, 5'9", 13 against Tennessee State, oh, Tennessee State doesn't matter, 14 against North Carolina, he was 9'6", 20 against Central Michigan, he was 8'8". The five against Ohio State was his worst performance he's ever had in a, in a, in a, in a carry number like that. So, Because I think part of it is he's going to – he's going to – you add an extra yard whenever he gets downhill because he's just going to run people over. So, I mean, when you're talking about a stretch of 15 games and a guy's averaging over seven yards a carry over a span of 15 games, you know, I, I don't think that's sustainable as the schedule gets tougher, but I think over six is certainly, certainly sustainable because of what he's done. So, uh, and he's a high efficiency number two back, uh, back too, Ryan. He, he does, there's just not a lot of negatives in his game yeah. just because of the the style of the, I mean, inside zone plays like that. You're just not going to, and when it is a negative, it's like minus one, you know, it's been, it's stuff like that. So, but even then, I mean, if I'm right, he's around six, three, six, four, Ryan, that's last year. That would rank. If, if, if he, if he just repeated what he did last year, let's say, and he was six, six, that's still 22nd in the country. Yeah, I mean, you, you got guys. You had nine guys last year in the sevens. One of them was a backup running back. <laughs> you know, one, two of them were quarterbacks. You know, so I just don't know that that's like the rate he's on now is not sustainable. Seven eight, or seven seven. That's not. It's not sustainable as you play tougher competition. I just don't yeah. think that's sustainable. But I think over six is certain. I mean, Tony Jones Jr. was at five. Was at six in 2019. So, uh, and he was their lead back all year. So what was, yeah, he was at 5.9. Let me find out what was Tony's exact number. He was at five, nine point. Yeah. 5.95, which is rounded up to six. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, the only lead back they've had that's been like below that was Kyron. That's the only one. And that's because Kyron didn't really have, I mean, of, of all the backs they've had, Kyron had by far the worst offensive line in 2021 sure. uh, of all of them. And just the way they use Kyron in the way the pass game, it just – they didn't put him in as many space situations. Like Kyron Williams, like in this offense, which is much, with as much 11 personnel runs as they've done the last two weeks, I think would, would gash people. I, I think he would really be gashing people. So that's my – that's my two cents. We had a super chat, a couple super chats pop up. John B with a super sticker. Thank you, John. Very, very much. And then we have a super chat down here, Ryan. Connor Grant says, is Duke a team we can dominate running the ball similar to Clemson and Syracuse last year? Yes, you can. Yeah. You can do it, I, I believe, yeah. yes. Second level is not great for Duke. I think the defensive tackles were good for Duke. The defense line in general is good. But, I mean, you still have a chance that if offensive line is playing – up to their capabilities, you still have a chance that you are going to win a lot more reps than you're going to lose. I mean, that's the point. Yeah, that's all for me. 
Can I ask you this question, Ryan? Sure. If the offensive line and run game are schemed similarly from an effectiveness standpoint against Duke as they were against Ohio State, if the offensive line plays as well against Duke as it did against Ohio State, and then everything on the back end, safety corner, is equal to what Ohio State did. Mm-hmm. What what do the run game numbers look like on Saturday? Yeah, you can run for 250, 250 or more, in my opinion, like 250, a few tutties. I mean, sure. it's – I just – again, like I, I think the second level is not great. And I don't think the safety play is great either. Like it, it's fine, right? But like this team is is making their living off of being disruptive up front and then having a really good second uh, corner room, I should say. I, I think what they do a great job of at safety is being in position. They're they're very good at being in position, but they you saw them against Clemson. Being in position against Will Shipley doesn't mean you're going to make a tackle, right? Being in position against Phil Moffa doesn't mean you're going to make a tackle. It does against Northwestern. It does against Lafayette. It does against UConn, and this is going to be more like that. I mean, Clemson went for two thirteen against them. That was Clemson's best output of this season by far against an FBS opponent by far. So. Um, yeah, I think they can. Now, will they? That's a different question. But yeah, they it's can. more likely. I think it's more likely you do than you don't. If that's what yeah. it comes down to, in my opinion. And Syracuse is a different animal because part of the success against Syracuse last year is they just pushed Syracuse around because they were small. so undersized. Yeah. You're not pushing Duke around like that. You're gonna have to be on top of your game to. Not doesn't mean you can't get movement, but I mean Duke's got pretty good size up they front. Do. You know, and, and their linebackers are not that good, as you've mentioned, but they're both 230 plus pound kids. I mean, they're not like these little tiny 215 pound kids you're just going to run over. So what they did against Syracuse was all different than what they did against Clemson. And I don't think he's drawing a direct comparison. I'm, I'm making this point. What works so well against Clemson is you had a great run design. I mean, great run design. That was Tommy Reese's best, in my opinion, run design. Like the game plan of how to attack Clemson was great in my opinion. Uh, but it was executed at an incredibly high level up front. I mean, Zeke Carell played a phenomenal game. And I thought Zeke played very well against Ohio State. Like, I thought that was one of his better games. Um, so it, it really comes down to the interior because this is a good interior Duke. If the interior plays at a high level, which I think they have now for two games in a row, uh, then I think they can run on just about anybody. I, I really do. Especially because the other thing too, Ryan, is – the way they're using the backs this year, they're doing much more of a thunder lightning type of rotation where last year was like thunder and even more thunder, <laughs> you know, and then, and then they'd bring in lightning and use them like he was thunder, you know, with Chris Tyree, he ran the same stuff. They had a very clear, different game plan with Jeremiah Love in the game last year than they did last week than they did with Audrey Estime. Yeah, I mean, it was it very worked. different concepts and, and that's why it worked. I think they're using the styles of their backs a lot better than they did last year where Logan and Audric should have run the same stuff. They're the same back basically like usage wise. The issue that we had was they're not using Chris Tyree differently. You know, he should have been doing last year what Jeremiah love is doing this year. Like the buck sweeps and some things like that. We're using speed. Jeremiah is a little bit more of an elusive is, uh, is not a little bit more. He's a lot more of an elusive one shifty ish shifty ish kind of back than Chris Tyree. Uh, was as a running back so I, I i like the way that they're doing it and that's that's one thing that adds to the because like ryan they have yet to have a dominant run game or like the 300 plus yard game 
their highest yeah. output so far is 236, but they're just good every week. I think there's a breakout game coming. I just don't know if it's going to be this week or against Louisville or against USC. <laughs> you right. know what I mean? Like, uh, but they're going to have a 300 yard game soon. They're just, they're going to go off on somebody. And it's going to be, Audric's going to do exactly what he's been doing, but the difference is going to be, Audric will go for like 120, 130, but then Jeremiah is going to rip off a 50-yard run. Jadarian Price is going to rip off a 40-yard run, and then they're going to go for 300. Like something like that is going to happen soon. Because you can see it, man. They're close. They're like really close. Like Jeremiah was starting to gash Duke in the second half, or Ohio State. Jadarian Price reading that counter or that power and bouncing it outside. You're like, that guy, those two kids play at such a different speed than Audric that when you use those two, that combination properly you're gonna rip somebody up big time and i think it's coming and i hope it's this saturday i really do hope it's this would be this saturday we'll see um total rushing yards ryan do you have any i mean i said 250 i thought it was a good number no for um the second part of his question about audric um we didn't i was thinking about sorry we didn't answer the second part of his question i think audric finishes the year in the top 15 in rushing I don't know that he's going to finish in the top five or 10 just because I think he's going to continue to – we're going to see those other guys continue to get yards, and there's going to be other teams that are going to start provide more, you know, overall touches for their backs and things like that. Because what's Audric at now? He's uh, – On six, right? Six something? He's ninth right now okay. in in yards per game. And he is, he's number one still in total yards, but he's he's played more games than most of those guys. He's ninth in, in total yards. Mm-hmm. I mean yards per game, I mean. So I could I could see him being ten to fifteen, but yeah. But that's just because I think nothing against Audric. I think he's gonna keep playing well, but I think we're gonna start seeing those other backs get a little bit sure. A little bit a little bit more usage. There's always guys that are like 15, 16, 1700 every single year. Like, I think Aldrich runs for like 12, 1300, but it's like a yeah. really good 12 or 1300. You know what I mean? Like right. It's just very good. So, right. Where and he ranks in college football is like a, like that, like the overall, like that's a very subjective question, right? Because yeah. there's running backs that do things a lot differently than Aldrich SMA and vice versa. Like, I mean, comparing him to a guy, I know he's in the NFL now, but like, how could you ever compare Audrey Estime to Deuce Vaughn, for instance, right? Like, they're just so right. different. <laughs> like, how do you right. compare that? And their usage is different, too. I mean, I just, some of those guys are, you know, Muhammad Ibrahim at Minnesota in the past has been a bell cow. I mean, he had 320 carries last year. I mean, Ryan, if Audrey Estime does what you said he said he would do, right? The 5.8? If he does that on the on with a number of carries that Muhammad Ibrahim had last year, he's at eighteen hundred and fifty six yards. Yep. But he's not going to get that many carries. If he'd have had as many carries last year as Chase Brown, he's over over sixteen hundred yards. So like last year, Muhammad Ibrahim had sixteen hundred yards, and Chase Brown had sixteen hundred yards. Zach Charbonnet only had thirteen fifty nine, but Zach Charbonnet yep. only carried the ball one hundred ninety five times. You you know what I mean? Like I think Audric's going to kind of be more in that now he won't i mean charbonnet averaged seven yards a carry like it, you and i disagree on what his number is going to be neither of us are sitting there saying audrick's going to be at seven by the end of the year that would sh- yeah. if if audrick estimates at seven yards carry by the end of the year notre dame doesn't lose another game i don't think 
I mean, it'll be tough. It'd be real tough because your competition is going to ramp way up moving forward. Uh, But, um, you know, some of those guys are – Chase Brown's a bell cow. I mean, he is mm-hmm. he's a 25. Didn't he have a couple games this year of over 30 carries think last so. year yeah. at Illinois? Audrick's, I don't see ever doing that. Yeah. I, I just and there's no need, right? Like there was a big drop off between Chase Brown and whoever else they had a running back last year, especially with Muhammad Ibrahim at, at Minnesota. There's not the drop off between Audrick. So why why put that burden on Audrick's shoulders when you have Jadarian Price, Jadarian Price and J- Jeremiah Love and Jabron Payne and and Devin Ford, you just don't need to do that to him, you know. Just right. and to your point, well, let him have thirteen hundred yards at six yards a carry, or five eight, or six two, or whatever, and and let those other guys carry some of that load. And then guess what? In November, when you're going down to Clemson, Audric's fresh. Yeah, and that's where you want to be. Sorry, Ryan. What was what were you gonna no, say? No, no. I was just gonna say like Chase Brown. Also, he's only sharing the ball with like Isaiah Williams is like another good skill position player, but he also is just like, yep, we're gonna have to win some ugly games this year. And then right. b- back to reality, Illinois this year offensively. They've been right. very, very bad. So. Right. Their second leading rusher last year, Ryan, from an attempt standpoint, was Reggie Love with 70 carries. Yep. That's it. Yep. Right. I mean, that's just – that's not even going to be close to where the Notre Dame backs are this year. I mean, Jeremiah Love has already got 26. Jabron Payne's already got 25. Jadarian Price has 19. You could have multiple guys with over 70 carries by the end of the year. And then their next running back, uh, Chase Hayden, had 22. Yep. So last year, their number, their, their next three running backs last year in in 13 games for Illinois had, uh, see, 92 plus 19, 111 carries in, in 13 games. Uh, Notre Dame's backs right now behind the starter that are part of the the I'm not talking like backup guys like Skip Verlada and all that I'm talking like the guys that are in part of the normal rotation already have 74 carries in five games so they're just and I honestly Ryan I think that's smarter I think with who Notre Dame is and what they're trying to do I want Audric as fresh as possible because I want to the point you're, we were discussing I want him to have a higher yards per carry average because he's not carrying the ball 25 times a game like that's my. I want him being like that fifteen to eighteen spot, and then maybe there's a couple games. The only the only argument that I've had with Ardrick's usage is I just felt after that eleven yard carry against Ohio State on Saturday on the final drive, they just should have gone right back to him. That yeah. that's the exactly. only usage argument I've had so far this year with them. Do you agree? Disagree with that as far as overall yeah, evaluation? I said, I said, of how I said that. Him? I, I said that after the game that you need to ride him as soon as he breaks that. Yep. I mean, as soon as he. You're you're about to demoralize that team after breaking yep. a couple tackles, you know what I mean? Like yep. it was, yeah, it was definitely don't run a slow developing run play the very next play that puts against you a team a trying to line. crash your run exactly, yeah. exactly. Because to your point, Ohio State when they pin them inside the tens, probably thinking, "Hey guys, we get a quick stop here, we get the ball back, we're fine." And then right. twelve yard pass to Rico, Audric just runs you over, and it's like, "Oh God, this is how it's going to go." Yeah. yeah. Agree. Let him off. <laughs>
Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.